Please turn with me in your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, to chapter 6, John's Gospel, and chapter 6. In a moment, we're going to be reading from verses 22 down to verse 59. John chapter 6, verses 22 down to verse 59, under the title, God gives eternal life to his people. God gives eternal life to his people. And this is really the, the, the sum and looking back over the series we've been looking at of heavenly food and How Christ himself is that heavenly food. I think some of you might know this already, but when I was growing up, we owned a a shop. And my parents owned it for many years. And I remember the days when the food used to be very different to what it is now. I remember the days when before pizza was pretty common in the shops. And you couldn't get a lot of foreign food, as we call it today. Um, in the shops and it was all exciting when you'd get the frozen pizzas and all these kind of things I think I was about eight years old when it first happened and now it's very easy to get Italian food it's very easy to get Indian food and food from all over the world years ago it was very hard and now you can get all sorts of different styles and you can learn from different places now I enjoy different types of food but there's something about there's something wonderful, isn't there, about coming home to your own home's cooking. If you ever, you know, the smell of something that reminds you of the way your mother cooked, or some traditional recipe that's been passed down from generation to generation, and you come into the house and you smell it, and there's something it does for you, and it makes you so happy. Uh, one of the things... My mother never cooked many things. She, she cooks a number of different things and she does it really well. But one of the things I love that my mother makes is bacon and cabbage. A very simple dish, but I love it. And when I, I hear, I smell it, I come in through the door, I'm excited. Something as simple as that. Even though you can eat all the things from all over the world. There's something wonderful about coming home to home cooking, the things we grew up with, the tastes and the smells we're familiar with. And there's a sense of this home food in our text. We're going to read now in a second. They knew of the manna from heaven. They had reminders of the manna from heaven. Uh, They had reminders of the taste of it, uh, the taste of honey. And there's something very powerful about that, isn't there? Because our culture is very important. It shapes us in a lot of ways. But what the Jews did not understand was this. There was something better, far sweeter, and far more satisfying right in front of them. And they missed that. And Jesus had to say, I am the bread of life. I am that one whom this food points towards. Far greater than anything you've seen in the wilderness. Far greater than anything you've been told. That sign of manna from heaven pointed towards Christ Not the physical food, it perishes, but the eternal food which will never perish. And may we behold Christ this evening, giving thanks to him for how he's fed us earlier today. How he has fed us, not just with physical bread and the physical fruit of the vine, but 
with himself. He is the bread of life who gives eternal life to all who trust in him. So John chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 22 all the way down to verse 59. Let us hear God's holy and his infallible word. On the following day when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus said, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What? Shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me. I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in in the prophets. And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore everyone who has heard... And learn from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. 
Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. That one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is, bl- is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. He who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. As we know, food is absolutely, fundamentally vital to our survival. Every culture knows this. Every group knows this. Uh, Every single animal knows this. If you see a young animal, they cry out for food as soon as they can make a sound at all. What happens without food? Death. Certain death. And how long can we last without food? Not very long. But there is, an import, there's a, there is a more important food than physical food. And Jesus is bringing this out in this passage. And it's eternal food. And by faith, if we partook of the bread and the cup, by faith, that's what we had this morning. It's not just about the physical piece of bread. Or it's more than that. It's what it points towards. It's what it signifies and what it seals. Not physical food, but spiritual food. We ate and drank Christ by faith, only by faith. He himself helps us. So let us look at this text now this evening so that we will learn of what we have been blessed with and therefore also give him thanks. Our first point is this, number one, food. Food. Verse 26 and verse 27, Jesus Answer them and said, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. See their motivation? It was more material. Verse 27, he tells them, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him, And we have two forms of food here. One that perishes and one that does not perish. And food is very important to our health, isn't it? What we feed will affect our health. Uh, one, of, one of the hobbies I have sometimes for years, I've always watched YouTube videos about nutrition. And there's a few people I follow on YouTube about that. And there was one 
particular video I was watching and they were doing an experiment to see, could you outrun a bad diet? Could you just eat, eat, eat and just run? You know, these were very, very fit individuals. Could they run 10,000 calories or something crazy like that? They, they couldn't. You can't outrun a bad diet. Your food, what you put into the engine, is so important. People who are involved in sports know this very, very well. Food is vital to life and to health. Now, I think we probably don't see this as much as some parts of the world because food is a, it's a luxury. Food is something we throw away. Did you ever see like supermarkets at the end of the day? They have this big section of lovely food and they're throwing it out. You ever see the bananas? They're probably at their best, their ripest, and they're, they're throwing them in the bin just because they look a bit brown. It, most parts of the world, they'd happily eat that. Food is one of the most valuable things. Far better than money because if famine ever came, you can't eat money. But you can eat food. Most cultures get this. Now, if we, if we buy fruit, if we buy bread... It lasts there for a few days and it starts to perish. But Christ is the food which will never perish. Never perish. He, he lasts forever and ever. Verse 26 and verse 27 again. And verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes. The, the food which they've been given. You see, it speaks way more to their culture because they take food so seriously. Bread was the difference between life and death. We don't think of bread that way today. Now, there are countries that still have that reality. But that was, what he was saying, even when food was so scarce, don't labor for that. Labor for the food which endures to everlasting life. Labor for Christ. In a thousand years' time, where will our cars be? In a thousand years' time, where will our homes be? All the things we work so hard to accumulate, where will it be in a hundred years' time? Maybe even in fifty years' time. It'll probably be crumbling and dust. Labor not for the food which perishes. In a thousand years' time, Christ will just be as glorious and as wonderful as he is today. Yesterday, today, forever. Jesus is the same. And whatever achievements are, maybe, they, maybe they're exam results. Nothing wrong with doing well in exams. You do your best. But that's not your primary motivation. Your business successes, no matter how big your business successes are, in 100 years' time, which what will matter is whether we're in heaven or in hell. That's what's going to matter. That's what's going to matter for the next generation. Not whether they get into college, not whether they get a nice car, not whether they get a nice job. Nothing wrong with these things, but it just depends on what priority we place on them. The food which does not perish. I remember um, my wife and I, we like watching this cooking competition together. It's one of the few things my wife and I can agree that we, we both like watching. Um, but one of the things I learned while watching this program, fresh food, fresh produce from straight from the farm, it's the tastiest, it's the best. 
And, and the best chefs will go, they'll go straight to the market. Um, we actually tried was the local fish market there. Absolutely wonderful fish from there. Um, don't worry, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. But it's fresh. It's delicious. It's wonderful. So the source of our food matters. And why, why, why is fresh the tastiest? Why is fresh the most wonderful flavor? It doesn't have time to perish. It doesn't have time to... The, the, the ravages of time. Christ, our eternal food. Who does he come from? The Father. The Father has sent the Son. The Father who is God sent the Son who is God. And if this were a stream of water, it's a pure and life-giving stream of water that refreshes all those blessed by it. He cleans us, washes us clean, and he gives us life. Now we know from, from watching the world and from nature that no food leads to death. But no eternal food, he's eternal food, what happens? We're going to lead to eternal death. Now, obviously none of us have experienced physical death, have we yet? But it's momentary, it's over very, very quickly, usually. We may have experienced the painful loss of others. We have some kind of an idea, maybe, of what physical death is like. We haven't gone through it, of course. But eternal death, we have no concept of it. We can't even wrap our minds around it. It's not just for a moment. It's forever and ever. It's separated from the blessed presence of Christ. Christ becomes our judge and not our savior. If we reject this good food which we are said to labor for, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. If we reject his food, what happens? Verse 28 and verse 29 says this. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. It's amazing how Jesus turned that around and said, No, no, here's the work of God. Believe. Believe in him whom he has sent. This is the work of God that you believe. And it is a work of God. If you do believe, God has done a work in your heart. That you trust the only Savior. And those who came to the table this morning, by faith, we have been blessed by faith. The table strengthens the, the, the faith of the true believer. I think sometimes because we may be afraid of some extreme views in the past, in church history I mean, that we're afraid of thinking of being blessed at the Lord's table. We just like to think of it, well it just reminds us of the death and burial, or of the death of Christ and that's it. But friends, the table is far more we can't wrap our minds around it. But there's a spiritual blessing in, in partaking of, of the bread and the cup by faith in Jesus. It nourishes the soul. Now, we may be weak. We may be struggling at this time. This is when the Lord's Supper is so needed. <clears throat> Feeling weak and exhausted, Christ feeds us, leads to better things ahead. Do you realize the blessings that await the believer by 
this food which endures to everlasting life. We don't think enough about heaven in the West. We just don't. We, don't, we just don't. And we might, I, I've had a few godly men who said this, well, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about heaven. And I understand what he's saying. But the Bible says a tremendous amount about heaven that we don't realize it's saying about heaven. Because it says a tremendous amount about God. Heaven is heaven because the blessed presence of God is there. Everything that is wonderful about God is wonderful about heaven. So the more we study about God, the more we, we long to have the fullness of that, that experience of being closer to him. His blessed presence is freedom, joy, peace, love. Do you struggle with areas in, you know, of, of refreshment, contentment even? How our generation, my own generation, we, we struggle for contentment. It's one of the things I really think young people, early 20s, around that age, we really lack contentment. To be content where we seek Christ and find joy in him. Because, dear friends, our thirst and our hunger can only really be refreshed in Christ. In verse 35 of this passage, verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. That's an incredible claim, isn't it? I am the bread of life. You come to me, you feed on me, you depend on me, you believe in me, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst. Do you know another form of food that can satisfy in that way and make any kind of claims like that? Not at all. And Jesus is actually saying far more than we can even see in our English translation. Jesus says, I am. Remember from Exodus, from the burning bush. What did he say? I am that I am. Over and over again, it's far clearer in the Greek than it is in English. I am the bread of life. He's not just saying, I am. He's saying that, yes, but he's saying far more. He's saying, I am the great I am. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the infinite one. And in the same way, it is for satisfaction and food and sustenance we find in him. He alone can satisfy us because he alone made us. Is our hunger and our thirst quenched by him? We've got to, I emphasize this, that we don't just look at Christ as food as if he's the cherry on top. He's far more than that. He's not just that, just a, life is great, but you're just missing one thing, Jesus. That's the modern gospel. No, dear friends, if you don't have Jesus, misery. It's the wrath of God is upon you. No, no, no. Christ is everything. He's breathing. He is, he is speaking. He is thinking. He is loving. He is a heart beating. He is everything. He's our air to breathe. He's our food and drink, yes, but he's far more than that. 
It says in Colossians 1 verses 16 to 18. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and what? For him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist or are held together. Verse 18, Paul writes to the Colossians, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that all things he may have the preeminence. You might say, well, what does that word mean, preeminence? Hold first place. Jesus is not just the cherry on top for the rest of our lives. He's everything. Everything. And yes, in a sense, for salvation, all he will look for us is that we look to Jesus Christ. But because of who he is, I am the bread of life. We really depend on him for everything. Far more than we realize. Does this food hold first place for you? Above everything. What about everything? Whatever you're thinking in your head. And we're saying, but what about this thing that's so important to me? There's nothing wrong with hobbies. There's nothing wrong with interests. But that we have it in its proper place that whatsoever we eat or drink, we do all things to the glory of God. Even the most menial, even the most basic things are done for God's glory. Because everything depends on Christ. So that's the food, number one. Number two now is how do we eat this food? How do we eat this food? Jesus speaks about this in this passage. And number two is faith. Faith. It's by faith. We're talking about the food and how to eat this food and drink this drink. And the Jews even really struggled with what Jesus was saying as well. Verses 35 and 36. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, that you have seen me and yet do not, what? Believe. Believe. And verse 51 of this chapter as well, verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give, which I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. From the context, it's clear. Jesus is not referring to eating literally his physical flesh or drinking his literal blood. It's a picture of depending on him, of being nourished by him, of being sustained by him, of being helped by him, of being blessed by him. Uh, I think it's important that we point this out. I remember... I think I was saved a little bit under a year and I came across, I was involved in the uh, anti-abortion down in Cork and I came across a number of um, old Latin mass going Roman Catholics, very, very zealous. And a number of them texted me these verses out of context. Uh, You eat this flesh and drink this blood. And I was like, ooh, okay, I better read that chapter. If you read the whole chapter, it's very clear what Jesus is speaking about. Believing. To eat the flesh of Christ is to believe. Uh, To drink his blood is to believe in him. In the Roman Catholic Church system, the bread is changed. It's no longer bread. 
It's no longer that. And it becomes the physical body of Christ. The blood, or the the fruit of the vine, becomes no longer the fruit of the vine. But it becomes the blood of Jesus Christ. We may not think that such a thing is worthy of even thinking about anymore today. But the Roman Catholic Church still teaches this. And many, many martyrs died because they wouldn't affirm that. They died. These were elements of worship and they were very serious matters in church history. But the view makes no sense because of what Jesus says. Physical food, does it last? He says, do not what labor for what? The food that perishes. What's going to happen if you leave the communion bread out? Is it going to last? Is it going to endure forever and ever? No, it's going to get moldy and you have to throw it in the bin. Um, it'll be the same with the fruit of the vine. You go off. That's, that's the physical food that perishes, but Jesus is, the, is that food that does not perish. For the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. It's by faith. It's by believing. Verse 36, it says this, and it's very clear that Jesus is saying, you're hungry, I am the bread of life, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. It's the lack of belief. They struggled with belief. Now they wanted, they wanted more proof. They demeaned him. The, the Jews complained, who is this guy? Oh, this is, uh, oh yeah, this is uh, Joseph's son. And, oh yeah, Mary. This is what happens. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's so-and-so down the road. It's to attack the messenger so that we don't have to listen to the message. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it he says, I have come down from heaven? Come on, seriously? So this is the attitude that they have. They refuse to believe. They don't want this king to rule over them. They're surrounded by proof. The evidence is clear. He has done signs, miracles, and wonders. And you see, we have to realize that the unbeliever is not just sitting on the fence and neutral towards areas of the Christian faith. The unbeliever hates Christ. The unbeliever actively refuses to trust Christ. The unbeliever is still at war with Christ. It says in Romans 1, 28 to 30, as even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, And there's that picture of Romans chapter 1 of those who suppress the truth, fight the truth, God has given them over as an act of judgment in this world. And they become more and more wicked. Unbelief, lack of faith, is rejecting this food. Saying no to this food. I don't want this food. I don't value this food. I'm going to demean this food. I'm going to mock it. And this is what the Jews did. They complained about it. 
Even among themselves, the Jews, verse 52, they quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're saying almost in a a jest. They're just, this is ridiculous, they're saying. Unbelief is joining with the world, the flesh and the devil. It says in Hebrews 3, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. See, we just think, well, yeah, he doesn't really believe that. Unbelief in Jesus Christ is an evil heart. It's departing from the living God. And friends, we've got to warn the next generation that it's not like, you know, whether you remain a Christian or not is like, a, like I don't know, like picking the type of food that you bring to lunch at, at work. It's serious. It has eternal consequences. And, the, and look, friends, if there's people that we know, we share the gospel with, and they're still on this earth, there's still hope. Pray for them. That seed has been planted. You may have raised a young boy, young girl that may be growing up right now. Pray for them. The Lord can still save them. There's, if they are still around, pray for them. But we must see the starkness of the reality. So we see that they could not enter in. Why? Because of unbelief. Hebrews 3.19. Unbelief is not being neutral toward God. It's being hostile toward God. But we're not better than anyone else. The only reason that we partake of the food and trust in Jesus Christ is for the reason laid out in verses 44 onwards. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and they will raise him up at the last day. Why do we believe? Because the Father drew us. That's the reason we believe. He set his love upon us. Verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he believes in me has everlasting life. But the only reason any of us believe is because God took pity on us and opened our eyes to see the wonders of Christ. And when we see how wonderful Christ is, we, we see sin and go, Ugh, and we run. Our hearts are changed. By faith, we're changed. By faith, we look to God. It says in Isaiah 45, verse 22, look to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, look to me. Look. Look to Jesus and be saved. All ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Our final point is forever. Forever. So we've looked at food, faith, finally, Forever. This food is so vital. That Job in, in, in chapter 23 verse 13 says this in, in, in Job. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And why is it so vital this? Well verse 53 says this. Verse 53 of John 6. Then Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you. Unless you eat. The flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, 
You have no life in you. No life. No eternal life. I remember my first day at a Christian church. I was saved about a month. I was saved for about four or five weeks. I never met a single Christian. And I still remember to this day, she was a little bit older than me, and she said to me, uh, one of the Christians at this church, it's wonderful to know you're definitely going to heaven. And I shared my testimony for, I don't know, an hour or two. And I was like, yeah. Unsure of how to respond. I was raised Roman Catholic. And I was thinking, is that the sin of presumption? Uh, yeah, I believe now, but I don't know what I'll believe in five years' time. And I was, there was doubts. They, cre- they crept in. I wasn't sure. And I remember going home. I knew I wanted Christ. I knew I, I so didn't want to go back to my old life. The thoughts terrified me. But I did not know then if I would drift from him again. And I put the word again in quotation marks. I say again because I thought I was coming back to God. It took me a while, but I realized I was never saved before that point. If I could not... And I could not get this sentence out of my head. It's wonderful to know you're definitely going to heaven. It's wonderful to know. And I went home and I looked up every Bible verse I could get my hands on. I, I looked up, and I don't recommend this, I searched the internet, any articles I could find. Um, and I remember when it dawned on me it was true. I'm definitely going to heaven. And I think I wept for a full hour. I was amazed at the grace of God. It would take pity on a wretch like me and he'd never let me go. It's the most wonderful truth, friends. It's not life just for today. It's forever. It's not life that's going to fritter away because you make a mistake. It's not life because you... It's nothing to do with your performance between here and now and your death. This food is not like any other. It gives what the manna from heaven couldn't give. They ate the manna in the, in the wilderness and Jesus was saying they're dead now. That food cannot sustain them forever. Verse 58, this is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father's Ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. See the point he's making. This isn't just some temporary thing. And I remember just realize it and the difference it made. It was my walk changed from that point. There was other points in my walk. Big aha moments. But when you have this sense of it's not my performance that keeps me. It's not me continuing to believe. It's me kept in the grip of Jesus Christ. This bread is forever. Why is it forever? Because Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus said in in John 14.6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
It doesn't just mean that Jesus is alive. We know that Jesus is alive. But he is life. He's not just alive. He is life itself. He is light. He is good. He is truth. He cannot be any more alive. And to be in relationship with him means we have eternal life. Depending on him forever and ever. In John 10 verses 29 to 30 it says this. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able, no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. No one is able to snatch you, if you're trusting by faith, out of your father's hand. What a difference. Your faith is no longer feels like it's walking on eggshells. It is finished, completed. You can't undo the good work that Christ has done if you believe. And this is why this food is so special, because it is forever. What is more important than forever? What's more important? I think one of the most precious gifts you can give anybody is your time. Your time. Time is such a wonderful gift. And Jesus gives you eternity. What more could he give you? This world that we can get so attached to will be burned up and renewed, made new. God's work will last. His food is special. Ours will not last. We can't bring our savings with us. No doctor can cure you from Death, it will come eventually. No health expert. Only Christ can give eternal life. Life forever. No one can give this. And here it is. And how, how do we have the greatest cure in the world? You know, in science they'll talk about have they found a cure for cancer yet? And all these things. I'm not saying these things are bad. But how much time do we dedicate towards that cure? And we have the cure For a far worse condition, eternal death. It's the gospel. It's Jesus. He is eternal food. He is eternal drink. Dear friends, come to him for who he is. He is wonderful. And he saves all who come to him. Amen.